Welcome to Business Meets Spirituality. I'm Adam Hergenrother, where we believe in personal growth through business success, joined by my chief of staff, Hallie Warner. Good morning, Hallie. Hello. And she's wired, so we're going to have a wonderful conversation today. And we're going to be um, one of the, the things that I think is really relevant to any employee, business owner, uh, anybody who wants to grow for opportunity is to be able to identify talent uh, quickly mm-hmm. and identify talent to replace themselves to be able to grow the organization. So we're going to be talking about the art, right, of a 15 minute screening interview, which I think is very tactical and very uh, one of the most important things that I learned as a leader uh, building an organization. Before we get into, we're going to share our questions. Um, we're going to walk kind of through some of the questions that we ask and what we're looking for. But before we kind of jump into that, the thing that you need to understand before you go into a screening interview, and I know how you do this too. I mean, you've screened hundreds and maybe thousands of people as well too, um, is that before you ever go into a screening interview, you have to make sure that you are in a state of neutrality, right? And you've probably heard that before. You've probably read that before. But I mean, you really got to practice that because if you are coming into a screening interview and you are extremely ecstatic, right, or just very happy with everything that's rocking in your world, you're going to miss things that you should normally pay paying attention to. On conversely, if you come into the screening interview and you are um, negative or you're bringing anything from the last conversation that may be derailing you, you're just going to maybe be going through the motions of the screening interview and actually missing things on that side. So regardless of what has happened throughout your day, I'd actually go as far as if you're in a really bad funk or state or really high state, you may, it's better to postpone that interview mm-hmm. than it is to actually have it. And I I've think actually the, done that. Yes. Before. Yeah. Cause I knew I was not going to be able to be neutral, be neutral in those conversations. And yeah. the thing is you can't, if you're not neutral, you're, you're missing it. Right. I mean, cause you're just, it, and so it's so important that when you come into this, you have to make sure you have a ritual three, two, one, relax. Maybe it's a meditation. Maybe it's a walk. Something that if you need to, that triggers you to get outside from where you are. And by the way, this is a leadership lesson. So as you learn this, this is a, an amazing lesson to have for all of leadership, because what it's really doing is it's teaching you to not bring any traces of the previous conversation or traces of emotions into the next conversation. And that's something that you learn as you are a leader, whether you're having a great conversation with Hallie and then I go to Caitlin and we don't have a not so great conversation. You can't bring traces of that conversation uh, or emotions of of that, of what you just had into the next conversation. You as a leader, right? You're responsible for bringing in a level of neutrality. Why? So you can remain clear so you can actually help solve the problem or look for things that you're looking for in people when you're identifying talent, right? And that's, it's one of the most important things that we have to spend some time on because you, you have to understand that. So, um, yeah, well, I was just going to yeah, jump in add and say that being present in those 15 minute interviews is just, it's so important. Otherwise those, that f- quick 15 minute interview can become 30, 45 minutes. If you are distracted, if you're not neutral, you really have to just be be there with that person. Yeah, absolutely. And if you find yourself drifting off, well, uh, one of the things that I think you should do in a screening interview is to make sure you go very deep in the conversations. And we'll go through a couple of examples of this thing, not live play, but like we'll go through some examples of what we can do because the deeper you get, the actually the more kind of tense the conversation gets, which pulls you into it. And I don't mean tense in a negative way. I just mean that when you approach the... I always approach any screening interview or any interaction screening interview. We typically do them phone. You can do them in person, right? You can do them via zoom right now. You can do them in different places. 
So if you are in the actual screening interview yourself and you start to feel yourself, as, as Hallie said, being present in 15 minutes, if you start feeling yourself being distracted, um, one of the things you can do is, again, you just need to bring yourself back to it. And that may be asking the next question. That may be stirring up the conversation. Just if you just pull yourself back out of the mind, basically, so you can actually listen to what the person is saying. Because if you get caught up in, in your own mind, you're just not listening to them and you're listening to the mind narrate the conversation. So it's really important to do that. Now, you're going to hear one of the cool things about um, having Hallie and I on um, in this conversation is there's two different ways that we do the screen interview with basically the same result. Uh, one of the things you're going to hear from my perspective a little bit more is that a lot of people that I'm doing um, a 15 minute screening interview with a 30 minute call with these people have already been pre-screened and I'm actually just looking for character. Um, so typically when I'm doing them at this stage, they've already passed some sort of test or I'm looking to bring somebody into our world that has gone through multiple interviews and I'm just doing a 30 minute and a character kind of assessment, culture assessment on the individuals, not necessarily looking for the skill set of that. Um, whereas Hallie is, is looking at, so I don't really look at resumes. I don't really look at those things anymore because to me, those boxes have already been checked. And so if you're an employer or you have several people that are already screening other people, they should be checking those foundation boxes. They have the skill set. They have the ability to perform at the job. They're already a culture line. And then when you come in there, you're doing an assessment um, of the individual themselves, kind of like the culture, character, and getting an overall sense with them as well, too. Uh, so why don't we talk about actually the foundation of the art of the 15 minute screening interview? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, we'll get into, we'll get into it, but I think it's important too. The other thing is the reason why I want you to be very good at doing these screen interviews is because you can do these anywhere, mm -hmm. right? You can, you can be at your job, you can be at dinner, you can be at a, in an elevator. And if you start memorizing some of these questions, it just flows through in a conversation. Now I will say kind of back it up maybe 10 years ago when I was doing them, I think I, I probably looked at resumes a little bit more and I probably got more into their skill set when I was doing the actual interview themselves. But I, I typically, my philosophy, which Hallie is a little bit different, but I like to go really deep with people because I, I'm, I'm much more concerned about who that person is in terms of what their drive and their hunger is. Because I think we can train on skill set more than we can train on any of those other things. So I tend to go deeper on that to see what drives them, what motivates them and different things. And um, I wouldn't say that it totally depends on what the position is because we're not going to train a CFO. We want to hire somebody with the CFO skill set. Yes. Yes. So Hallie, why don't you walk <laughs> us through your process? Yeah. Well, the first thing that we do is review resumes mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty thoroughly um, because we get hundreds of them and um, we don't want to be doing hundreds of screening interviews. So you don't No. Um, so of course there's just like the quick things that you check. Did they actually follow the instructions? Do they kind of check the majority of the boxes of the skills that you are looking for? Great. Looks like they have a decent resume. Then we'll schedule 15 minute screening interviews. Uh, I like to schedule them kind of back to back to back, usually like yeah. in one or two within one or two days and just get as many done as possible. That way you can get neutral, get yourself set up, um, remove any distractions, make sure you don't have any other meetings ready, you know, to go. Um, and it also helps you identify the talent. And I know that we talked about this before, but um, the more you interview, I think you gave this example yesterday, if you're going to interview 30 people, about three of them seem great, mm -hmm. and then one of them like yes. really stands out. Yeah. And so that when I kind of do them all together, if I do 10 in a week, um, usually one or two will, will move on to the next round, um, which is a behavior assessment for us. And then you actually will meet them much further down the line and do your kind of 
your version of the screening interview. <laughs> My version of the screening interview is really the initial, are they going to, do they pass the test? Are they going to be, um, are what's, we going what's past the test? Explain <laughs> are, that to the yeah, listeners. Are they, are we going to really, are we going to spend time going deep together? And then that's what we real I do with them really through the behavior assessment that we do. Yeah. Um, do they check the boxes, hit the skill set? Um, do I like their drive? Do I feel like they would be a good cultural fit? Um, what sort of baggage might they be bringing into the into their next opportunity? How do they speak about their past employer? I like to know what their goals are. Um, I like to know what they know about our company, why they want to join our company, why they're leaving their current oper- their current position. These are all questions I ask during the fifteen minutes. Um, why you know why they're looking to make a change? I always ask what's most important to you in your work because um, it's just very interesting yeah. the um, different answers that you get for that question. Um, I always ask what's the biggest misperception people have of you. Also very interesting for me, it's not the answer. Yeah. It's whether or not they are willing to share it yeah. and how self-aware they are. So that's what I'm really looking for. It's funny because whenever I get to there, I always ask them the same question. They go, well, Hallie asked me that too as well. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just curious to, that's what you are. You're, you're really looking to see how they respond to all of these. Yes. It's really, unless there's a skill set question, right. you're really looking to see, are they coachable, mm-hmm. right? Do they have culture, yep. right? Are they have drive, right? Where's their work ethic look like, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of your, and by the way, if people want our screening interview questions, you can reach out to us and we'll, we'll provide you to them. But what are some of your favorite questions and maybe read the question. I know you've been reading some of them yeah. and then ask, look for what do you typically hear? And then what do you want to hear with that one person out of 30, right? 27 of them are going to sound the same. Two of them are going to sound pretty good. And one of them is going to sound great. So to help listeners, like what, what are the 27 say that you're going? Yeah. Okay. That's great. Like, but you're not going to pass it. Right. Yeah. Maybe it'll be answer, easier for me to answer the the other way, but about the ones that do pass. But um, I always start with the open-ended question of, tell me a little bit about yourself and why you're looking for a new opportunity. Or like where you're working now and tell me why you're looking for a new opportunity. Because that just, that can go in a million different directions. And um, I really like it when somebody no, like really succinctly sums up their, their work history um, what they're doing and why they're looking for the, like actually just answers the question and doesn't yeah. talk, talk in circles um, or give me their whole life story, which sometimes happens. Well, if they start to give you the whole life story, how do you keep them from doing that? Um, well, I mean, I don't always stop them. I will listen to what they're saying because then that will help lead me to whatever the next question is that I need to ask. Um, so sometimes I might say, uh, you know, okay, great. So I saw that, um, you know, two years ago you were at such and such a company what were your primary responsibilities and why did you leave that organization? And I like to really in the screening interview, I'm also looking to see why they left the places that yeah. they left. And what I'm really listening for is how are they talking about their pre- previous employer and, um, and coworkers and, um, and, and why they left. Are they willing to say that they got fired? Are they trying to downplay um, that they left because they couldn't get along with their boss? You know, you're really just looking. I'm, I listen to all of that stuff as I'm asking those questions. So it's not necessarily a red flag that, because I think no. we see a lot of resumes where people have kind of maybe stayed for a couple of years and moved on. Um, it's not a red flag. It's how they answer that is what it sounds like. It's much more important. Yes. I like direct, I like direct, honest, yeah. self-aware individuals. I mean, that's just our culture. So if they're already a little cagey, they might not fit into our company very well. I, I love some when people literally use the word fired because when you ask somebody, it's like, hey, why are you leaving? They go, well, I got fired. And they tell you about it. At least you're like, okay, 
thanks for being honest, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean you're going to pass, but like, I appreciate the fact that you were, you didn't, well, you know, there, you know, the parent company came in here. It just is like, look, yeah. okay, we, we get it. I get things happen, right? Yeah. We understand that. And talent. And none of these are uh, exactly make or break, right? You're, exactly. You're looking for the patterns. Yes. Do they use the, do they use a lot of victim language? And as they're sharing their yeah. career experience, do they take a lot of ownership for things that may have gone wrong? Yes. So I'm always just kind of looking for all of those things. Um, so that's kind of how we start. Yes. Then the, one of the next questions I really like to ask is, well, w- what interested you in our position specifically? Did they actually read the job description? Yeah. Do they know what job they're interviewing for? You, <laughs> sometimes I have people, <laughs> I mean, believe, yeah, sometimes yeah. people are like, you know, I interviewed for like three jobs this week. I'm not quite sure. What does your company do again? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah. they didn't do their research and they weren't prepared. Depending on the position, yes. yeah. Depending on the, I mean, depending on the position, I might be able to let that go. But if it's somebody who's going to be working with you and I in the leadership position, it's yeah. probably not yeah. great. Yeah. Um. Then what do they know about our company? So like a like a like somebody that would stand out to me sounds like mm. they're you know they're if somebody's listening like they may the low end would be like. I've interviewed for three companies this week. I don't, which company is this again? Right. Type thing. What do you guys do? Then you, you kind of hear that and you go, some people say, well, yeah, you know, I, I understand I'm d- doing this and I've read the job description and that may be like a safe answer, right? It's kind of like that middle ground. It's safe. They've done a little of research onto it. Then the people that stand out, right. Are the ones that go, Hey, you know what? I actually really love this company. I went and listened to the podcast. I went and I read, I went and grabbed the book that you guys wrote and I'm starting to read it right now. I've read some of your blogs, yes. right? I've actually connected with somebody who works at your company to talk mm-hmm. To them about it, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you want when you're hearing that language yes. on that type of to give you listeners an example of what that looks like. That's what you want to hear mm-hmm. without asking, without having a first interview. They went above and beyond to find out all about their company because you know what it tells you is they are now we want people that are selective of what company they're going into, yes. which is an opportunity, not a job. Yes, and after they've listened to our podcast, read our book, watched YouTube videos, yes. read the blog, whatever, they and they still like us, that's great. (laughs) And we do want to talk to those people. Um, Actually, when I ask the question, what do you know about Adam Hergenrother companies? That's the answer I'm looking for. The one you just gave the one that, um, you know, it's just a little, you know, I file it away when they say, well, I kind of looked, I wasn't quite sure, you know, what your company did. Can, can you tell me more about your company? Yeah. I'm like, there's so much stuff on our company out there. If they have to ask that, they just, they just didn't prepare. Yes. That's exactly right. Um, I always like to know why they're looking to make a change. Sometimes I'll ask that later in the conversation, depending on, on how the conversation goes, yep. but sometimes in the beginning. So it sounds like the way you, the way you set it up is that in the beginning, it's much more, do they have the skill set? Right. Yeah, you're I like really to, looking I like to go through the resume real yeah. quick, maybe five minutes. Yeah. So you're looking yeah. for skill set first and then kind of that first five minutes. Then as you transition to it, it's like you're looking for that mental check. Do they have that? do they at least have enough skills that I'm convinced that I want to move forward in this process? I think people understand here that it's 15 minute screening, but you're not looking whether or not you're hiring this person. Exactly. You're looking to see whether or not we want to go to the next step in the process with this person. Mm-hmm. So you're doing like a quick five minute kind of skill set, check of the box. Then you're moving what more into like culture behavior. Is that what I'm hearing? And that's kind of the way the questions go, right? Yeah. Um, yes. And just, um, they're, how prepared they are. Are they in alignment with our culture? Oftentimes during that conversation, a a book might come up that they're reading or they might mention, even in the beginning, they might say, yeah, I really love reading. And I always say, well, what are you reading? Because that's a, to me, that's a huge indication of where their, their mind is at. (laughs) Do you ever, sometimes I get it when I ask people or just in, in whether I'm recruiting somebody or in somebody, wherever stage they're at. And I go, they're like, yeah, I love reading. Great. What's the last book you read? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, I just drawn a blank on it. Like, I can't remember it. And like, it's just, 
and it doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just means yeah, it's just one of those. Happens, but yes, yes, I make just, a note of that yes, too. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And sometimes they go, oh, you know, and they have to make think for a second, which I get because sometimes I might do it. Yeah. Then once they get on there, they can rattle it off. And then what I do is they, they said, hey, I just read, you know, um, the surrender experiment, whatever the book is. I say, well, what did you learn from it? Mm-hmm. I just love getting, and again, that's probably further down the line, but yeah. I love digging deeper into what they learn. You know who actually asked me that originally was one time um, I was, I forget what I was, I was reading or I watched something and it was very fascinating. And it was, I was sitting in a small group with Gary Keller and a couple other people and I mentioned it and he looked at me and he goes, well, then what'd you take away and share with the group? Mm. And I, I literally had, had been just t- sharing it and teaching it. So I rattled off what I learned and everyone in the group was like, wow, that was impressive. And it, was, it sounded more impressive than what it was just because I had been teaching it. Um, so I wasn't actually as smart as I uh, sounded, but, um, but that's what you should be looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're looking for somebody that's going out there, taking the information and then helping other people with it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm looking for is like, what'd you learn? Who'd you teach it to is the next question after that. Are you going deep? And if they said, well, I haven't really taught it to anybody. It doesn't mean it's yes or no. I'm just, I'm you're just, just looking for Yes. Things. I'm yeah. just looking. If they want to be a leader in my company, then they should be sharing some of that. Yeah. Hey, I went and had a conversation with my partner about it. Great. That's the start. It doesn't right. mean you have or, to go. Uh, I wrote a blog post about it because exactly. they have a blog on the side. I'm like, exactly. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. But that's the, that's the high, again, you're not going to hear that from most people, yeah. but if you want to separate people out, that's what you're looking for. And you have to go that deep to be able to start again, this is getting a little bit past the screening interview, but you just giving the listeners something to take away. Like that's, you want to go that deep. And if you have five minutes, you can go real deep with a couple of questions. You can get a really good totality of, of how this person is going to show up in the business world. Not how, how are they as a human being, but how they're going to show up in your world. Um, back to that, that book question, or even anything that somebody draws a blank on during the screening interview, because I get it. Some people get a little yes, nervous yes. for interviews. Um, and if they don't have an answer, like um, the, the one I often don't have an answer for is the, what's the biggest misperception yeah. people have of you. And people like really, they, they know what it is. And I will sometimes say, I know something just came to mind. What was, what was the first thing that came to mind? Something like that. And they're like, okay, it was whatever. Um, yeah, you're right. Because they go, they go, I don't have anything. I go, what was that? Yeah. That yeah, right there. Yeah. And they're like, I don't want to share. It's almost like they don't want to share, but they don't you saw share it, it. But they know it. But they yeah. know it, right? Because you're looking to see how coachable they are. Right. I don't care what the answer is. They could be like, I mean, I, we've heard everything, right? Yes. Willing to be vulnerable. Yes, exactly. Um, willing to not look great all of the time yes. or whatever. But if they really, truly just will not say anything to any of these questions, um, who follows up afterwards? Yeah. And I, and, and I, that's a, goes a long way for me. If they go, you know, I could not remember the name of that book during the interview, but here it is. And here's the link to it. And I just finished reading it. And here's a review I wrote on Amazon for the book or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, because I get it. Sometimes you just don't, you know, draw a blank or you, maybe you weren't quite ready to share the misperception, but if you come back and say, I thought, and I've had that happen before. And that yeah. goes a long way yeah. in my opinion, after that, inter- uh, the screening interview, we're going to do a whole uh, episode at some point in time about after the next stage of the screening interview, but because we don't want to get too over, but like one of the things we're also, when you get done the, like the 15 minutes of asking people questions, you just mentioned like follow-up that is in our world. That is a mm-hmm. massive indicator of how somebody's going to show up. We've, and the thing is, it's funny is I can think of it over the years where we've made excuses for why people weren't following up and we've mm-hmm. made the hires mm-hmm. and it didn't change. It always shows up it later. It always shows up yeah. the later. And we're like, well, why are they doing that? And we're like, well, because that's how they acted during the behavior process. Dur- right. During, during, yeah. During our interview process, which is why we have a longer yes. interview process. And we're just looking for all of those patterns along, along the way. And in, in terms of follow up, it's not just, did they send a, a thank you email? It's, how quickly did they send yes. the, the the thank you email? Did they did they just did it just say thank you or did it include some additional things about the interview or more research that they did on the company? 
Um, but a lot of times I'm looking for how quickly. Yes. Because that's such an important part for us is speed. Whether you're an, uh, an employee leading a division or trying to replace your, yourself or hire somebody for your world or you're an entrepreneur building it, people are your, it's cliche to say, but people are your greatest asset. They are, right? I mean, if you look at a sports team, the people who come together and how they're they're taught is, makes the difference of whether or not you, you well, win you championships, have, you right? you don't have people, you don't have a company. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's so important though to make sure that you have a standard around your people in the screening interview. Right. And so that's kind of, I naturally kind of go to that. Like, what's my standard? Am I going to be able to have, is this person going to be able to run with me? Right. And it's like, you, you have to be able to kind of make that assessment based on asking these questions, not just, can they fulfill the position? Because there's a lot of people that can probably fulfill the job. Mm-hmm. It's our, is this person after pouring hours and years of training into them, well, I'm going to want to grow and going to want to grow with you and contribute to the organization and be part of the ecosystem and do it. But you've got to have a standard in there. And a lot of people um, don't really have a standard. They look to who can I get in here for the cheapest possible amount and then try to get more out of that. Or they wonder why they're not getting more out of that or why they're not more influenced on it. And it's just because you just have you just don't have the same standard for it. Mm-hmm. And that becomes really important when you're going to do is, well, I because this is where every time I, we teach this long process through our entire interviewing process. People go, well, how do I just know, right? It's almost like you, they want the magic pill. And I said, well, for one, you got to do a lot more screening interviews, yeah. right? And we'll give you guys some homework on this in a second, but um, you have to do a lot more screening interviews. And um, in addition to doing the screening interviews, um, you'll be able to identify talent better, but you also have to have, you have to be willing to have patience in this to not just, you know, hire the first person. I remember I was sitting in a conversation with somebody and one of our mentors and this lady walked up and goes, Oh man, I just made this amazing hire. I just made this amazing hire. Like I'm so thrilled. And they're like, have they started? And they're like, no, not yet. And they go, well, how many people did you interview? And she's like, I don't know, maybe like 10. And they they turn around and go, well, you made a one in 10 hire. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that because you just did. You made one in 10 hire. And instead of really taking the process and if you may look at 200 resumes, you may look through and then screen 30 and then bring five through the rest of the process. But now you've looked at a lot more places or people, right. To be able to identify what that looks like. But you have to have that standard of not, I'm not going to settle for this position because there are a lot of times where it gets frustrating and it feels like there's no end. Mm -hmm. Right. And (laughs) you just want to, you just want to hire to hire. But then once you do, you know, you've made the mistake. And you just, and then it just becomes, you've just delayed it for 90 days or 120 days or worse. You keep them and they're not happy. You're not happy. And your organization suffers from having that position, right? So you have to be willing to have the standard of saying, I'm not going to jeopardize what I'm looking for. And that's why it's important in the beginning that you set up your screening view that you have a little bit of a missing person report, which is what am I looking for in this role? Getting you getting very clear along with being neutral about what am I looking for in this role? And not just job description, but I, like what hours do you want, expect yes. them to work? I'm really talking more about like expectations around yes, the I role too. Yeah. Job description, what hours are you expecting this person to work? Um, do you want them to, you know, this is like your ideal, your ideal candidate, yeah. right? Do you, would they have, would they have a second job or would they not have a second job? Would they, you know, yeah, the, the missing person there's, there's, is for a, you, yeah, there's a million is for you to write down yeah. and then figure out who, who matches that. Right? right. And that's what you want to look for. It's just giving you a very clear sense of that. It's like, what certifications do they yeah, have? What, yeah. exactly. or it's like the same thing. Like if you're, if you're a sports, you know, recruiter, you're looking for somebody that is a good, you know, foul is good at 
shooting threes, then you're going to look for somebody who's really good at shooting threes, not mm-hmm. sh- shooting jump shots. Right? right. So you just, then that's, you're creating this person for around who's good at shooting threes. So once you identify what you're looking for, you're looking for someone who matches that level of talent, who's willing to work on that level of talent yeah. and that skill that you need to bring into your organization. And that, that becomes where you go. I was going to say here, a couple other yeah. questions. Um, this is one that I sometimes, I don't always use, but I think it's a good one. If I was a coach or a mentor looking to help you change, where would I start? Mm-hmm. I think again, that is, that goes back to uh, how coachable they are. I think it's a good indication of that. And really what it is, is it's basically another way to ask what are your weaknesses yes. without saying what are your weaknesses and somebody not saying anything um, or giving you a, oh, I work too much. That's an off, often a weakness that a lot of people yeah. say, or I, I don't, the other one I get a lot is, um, and I don't say no. Which is another way to say I work too much or take too too much on, but this to me is a good indication of what are their weaknesses yes. and are they can we work with those? Yes. Can we work through those yes. um, in the position that we're hiring them for? Again, if you're listening to this and you ever interview for one of us, just be as real as possible. We <laughs> yeah. don't actually care what the, yeah. it, it's the more real you are, the more likely you're going to be adopted into our world, mm-hmm. right? Because real, you can work with, yeah. right? Real yeah. means that I'm aware that I've got a lot of work to do and some things yeah. and great. I, we love that, right? Well, you know, the, the other thing with that is we are hiring for not just the positions that we have posted. Yes. And so I th- sometimes people yeah. are doing these screening interviews with me and they're trying to fit themselves into this mold of this one HR job I'm hiring for. Little do they know that I'm actually listening yes. to them. Like maybe they'd be a killer agent. Maybe they would be a great um, coach on our team. Maybe they would be a great administrative assistant for when we make that hire in six months. Like I, I know mm-hmm. the positions we need now and in the future. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for that in all of the You're conversations. You're building a bench, right? Yes. I'm building a bench through the screening interviews. And yes, while they want that one job, if they're not real, I'm not able to see what other opportunities might be a better fit for them in our, in our company that they would actually like better than the job that they think they want. All right. So you get to the point, you do the kind of five minutes checking the skills and you, and you go through the rest of the questions with them. Mm-hmm. Let's say there's somebody that wants to move on. Then you, you go to do the behavioral assessment, which we'll do at some point. Mm-hmm. If they don't move on, but you, for let's say this position, but you like them because they're talent, what do you do with them? I basically just send them an email and tell them that. Yeah. So you let <laughs> yeah. them know. And, yeah, and so how me. do you build the bench? How do you stay in contact with them? Well, I mean, they go into my applicant tracking system. Okay. I categorize them appropriately based on not the job they applied for, but the job um, and, and or the skill set that I think that they would be. I, I tag them basically yep. based off of the job I think they would be a, a good fit for. So when I am ready to go hire that, I go back to my database. I search for that position. And then I end up pulling up, you know, three, five, three to five res maybe more resumes. And then I will reach back out to those individuals for that opportunity. I think that's an important step people need to listen to. Go the extra little 10 minutes mm-hmm. after you're done, especially if they were talent to be able to work them into an applicant tracking system, whatever it is that you decide to use for your own world and make sure that they're categorized correctly because you don't know when you're going to need your next position. Mm-hmm. And even in our world, like we have positions we know we're going to hire for, mm-hmm. right? But there's also like positions that just show up. I mean, we just made a hire over the weekend, right? It yeah. just kind of was there. Um, <laughs> but like, um, you know, just like sometimes I think everyone has listened, has, has made a hire, have gone, you've been working, working, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you go, we just need that hire. And you're like, that didn't show up yesterday. Like maybe there's an idea of it, but all of a sudden you just get this very clear sense. I just need to make that higher all of a sudden. So if you're, yeah. And if you're doing screening interviews enough, even if they're not necessarily in this, this formal sense, but if you are at networking events or when you're at training events, whether and, and you're just kind of keeping your eye on talent and, and filing them away into your database somewhere, um, then you just, I just have like a Rolodex in my head of when yes. Adam, when Adam's like, you know, I really think we might need a team leader in 
some state that we we just yeah. opened a new market center and I'll be like, okay, who do I know? And then I usually will be able to pull up a couple of names um, just based on that from yeah. prior conversations, from building a bench, from networking, from all the training events that we've done, who, who kind of stands, stands out and has wanted to be a part of our world in one way or the other love over, that. over the years. Yeah, I love that. So it's, again, is, is part of doing this is so that you can identify talent. Again, go back to, if you have 30 people, 27 are going to sound the same. Two will sound good, and then one will stand out. And that's the candidate that you really want to start working for. But you need the depth to be able to do that. One little wrap-up thing. Um, at the end, I usually like to ask, one of the last questions I ask is what their goals are. I Again, very open-ended question. I just like to know. Some people don't it's very clear that they have no goals or they don't set goals or they only have a goal for, um, I just need to get a job uh, or they have very, very clear goals that they're working towards, like paying down debt, writing a book, like whatever. Again, I'm just listening for that, mm -hmm. but that's kind of how I wrap it up with the last question is just kind of hearing their, what are your you know goals for the next three to five years? And then to your point about the 30, I will sometimes when I'm done say, put on the top very clearly, it's a yes. Like when it's a yes, you know it. Know it. And, I, and it's, not, scare it's you. not many. Yep. Yeah. And then I put, and I put a yes at the top and then that's, they move on to the next one. Sometimes I will put a maybe on there because I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I need to think about it. I have learned over the years if at all, if I have to think about it, they are, no, there are no, yes. there's no way a maybe is an actual, actually a yes. I think it's actually really important to say that because there's years of experience to be able to get to that because you would always walk into my office and be like, let me just, let me just talk to you about this candidate. Yeah. And we'd sit there and talk about it. And you're like, you just instantly realize like, it's a no. If you're trying yeah. to convince yourself, that's why I mean, like you have to have that standard. If you're trying to convince yourself, this person could do it. It's a no. And I've interviewed enough of those maybes yes. to, to learn over, yes. <laughs> over the years that like they're, they're really just, you know, you know, when you, if you do this enough, yes, you, you just identify the patterns, you know what to look for. Um, and when it's a yes, I mean, I can, I can tell usually within the first 10, five to 10 minutes. My, um, one of my professors in college, right. I've shared this story a couple of times, but one of my professors in college was, he was very notorious for having the hardest exams. It was finance. Um, it was biz at 81 and it was the finance and he made his exams ridiculous. Like, right. Like everyone be studying. They're already like finance was the hardest um, kind of degree to go into for business. And he made it like off the top. And it was really fascinating when you're going through it as an undergraduate, you're going through this and you'd study for 30, 40 hours as exam, you'd get to the exam and it would be like one question you studied for and seven that had nothing to do with what you questioned. And everyone would get like 20 or 30 on it and he would scale it. So you didn't fail. So if you got a 20, he may scale it 60 points. You ended up with an 80. Right. And then later on, make a fast story short, like a long story short, like we, I played golf with him one time and uh, I asked him, I said, Hey, Jim, because it's funny, you call your professor by first name after you, you get through that. And I was like, hey, Jim, you know, why did you make these exams so hard? And the thing that he said to me, he said, well, he goes, Adam, if I made the exam, uh, if I made the exam easy enough for everybody to get an 80, I would never know who stands out. And so he said, if I had 50 students in my class, <laughs> 48 of them <laughs> would have to be scaled and two of them would get, one would get a 70 and one would get an 80 and the rest of the people would get a 25. He said it just had to create so much separation that you had to be able to see who the talent was. But if I made it so that everyone could get an 80, going from an 80 to a 90 or 95 doesn't really show me that difference of it. And, and what's interesting is 
all the people that graduated and have running companies. I mean, he was there for years on people who worked on Wall Street, they were, ran companies. They always went back to him and said, who's the talent I need to hire? And I find that so fascinating that he recognized that. And everybody, after they went through the class, when they started making hires and getting into the real world, realized he was the guy that I wanted to go to because if his recommendation that this guy was talent, it was because he had a system to be able to identify talent. And that's part of the art of the screening interview is creating a system to identify talent. And that's just what you're doing in your business. And so your homework for all of this is that the next 30 days to go out there and screen 30 people. And it doesn't have to be a formal screening interview. Some of them should be. It may just be you're standing in line, right? You're at a family gathering, right? You know, the next time go up to your grandfather and talk to them about what they did in their job when they were working and then ask them some of these questions on it, right? Just literally practice the questions. If you need to practice with your family. Because you're not necessarily screening for a, them for a job. job. You're, you're screening just, them for, are they talented yes. and what's an opportunity in yes, my world exactly. where they might fit? That's exactly so right. So that could be your grandfather or that yes. could be, your, you know. Your, your cousin, your yeah, nephew. Your coworker of your your friend, Your friend yeah. that you never identified as that, that you yeah. grew up with in high school. I mean, we employ yeah. a lot of our friends now, right? So yeah. it's just, so it's, that's, that's your homework. 30 screen interviews in 30 days to start developing the roadmap for identifying talent. Hey, if you like this episode of Business Meets Spirituality, make sure to subscribe to this podcast before you go so you don't miss future episodes. Or visit our website, adamhergenrother.com. That's H-E-R-G-E-N-R-O-T-H-E-R to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget, never give up on joy.